Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Blogging Theology and this evening I have a very special guest, um, a man who has sent shockwaves I think uh, through many circles uh, in the West, both for not so good reasons in the past and now for very good reasons uh, in recent years. And um, uh, Joram, you are most welcome on Blogging Theology. Well, thank you very much and it's a, it's a great honour for me to be here. Well, um, just to give uh, viewers a brief uh, summary of your uh, biography, um, Joram van Cleveren um, is a, a Dutch uh, person, uh, also known as the Crown Prince of Wilders, meaning Gert Wilders, the, the leader or the political leader of uh, the, the party in Holland, Party for Freedom, um, where you became a member of parliament yourself in the Dutch parliament and you uh, submitted a number of bills in the parliament related to Islam um, such as those calling for the closure of mosques for removing the Quran from parliament itself where there was a copy uh, and for banning Islam from the Netherlands as much as possible basically to remove Islam and presumably Muslims from uh, the Netherlands and in order to uh, reinforce these thoughts and opinions that you had as a Christian, which you were then, you began to write a book critical of Islam. And during the process of writing, I understand, you found an increasing number of matters that challenged your views on Islam. Um, and this is the, the book you ultimately wrote called Apostate. We'll come back to that. Um, and this gives your your personal and theological journey um, that you undertook away from a position of uh, frank hostility towards Islam towards someone who actually embraced Islam uh, several years ago. So uh, a most extraordinary story. Um, so that, that's why many people will be very interested to see uh, what you have to say about your life and, uh, and perhaps a couple of uh, questions uh, which occurred to me would be of great interest. C could you perhaps just tell us initially a bit about your Christian background and beliefs growing up in the Netherlands? Yeah, of course. Uh, well, I was uh, brought up in, an, uh, in a 
relatively uh, strict Protestant uh, denomination, the Reformed Church uh, of the Netherlands. Yeah. And, um, well, it was uh, a normal family, father, mother, I have an elder, uh, older brother, uh, sister, younger brother, and we had a cat. Um, yeah, we went, uh, we went to church uh, on Sundays, of course. We all uh, got Christian names. Uh, my father read from the Bible before dinner, after dinner. Uh, we prayed. Uh, so we did all the, the things that uh, normal Christian, practicing Christians do, because there's, of course, a difference between cultural Christians and practicing Christians. Uh, but also in the family, my, uh, my grandfather was, uh, so to say, uh, an assistant of, um, of, the, of the ministers in, in church been that for a very long time so it was in in our family the the tradition uh, the religious tradition was uh, pretty strong mm-hmm. um so that's 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 the way i was brought up in a religious uh, sense mm. you, you mentioned you, your church background were you a calvinist then in terms of your theology was that yeah. right so, so john calvin of course uh was a um one of the great leaders of the uh the reformation in europe uh, and just as a, as a side note uh he, he was a key figure who who got uh, a man called servetus michael servetus burnt at the stake um in geneva for denying the trinity that was his great crime and the man unfortunately was horribly killed and executed for that crime of denying the trinity but anyway i'm not saying you in any way associated with such outrageous terrorist acts in the past uh, um so moving on moving on you you went to university i understand where you studied uh, religion um and that's why you quite a lot of knowledge but what was it what did you discover about jesus then that led you to change your mind about him particularly about him being god and and someone who had to die for your sins for you to be forgiven because i understand uh coming back to this book by the way um apostate which is uh subtitled from christianity to islam in times of secularization and terror and in this book you you go through many many uh controversial issues that are often challenge challenging to muslims in the west um uh, but also the reasons why you left christianity the concept of god and christianity jesus salvation and all that so wh- wh- why did you come to change your views about jesus as a calvinist christian well um as, as, a, as a youngster i think i was uh, about 15 or 16 years old then of course you start thinking about uh the, the tradition uh, that you are brought up in it, it is a normal uh, process a lot of uh, youngsters uh, have something similar um but one of the things i uh, i always struggled with was for example the trinity of god in christianity because we uh, we of course prayed to god the father that's uh, how, how we call god in, in in the tradition i was brought up in uh, but of course i had a lot of christian friends and some of them went to other churches and especially uh, one friend of mine went to an evangelical uh, church and they prayed to jesus ah. So when I was young, I thought, well, how is it possible that some Christians pray to God the Father, other pray to Jesus? And of course, you have Pentecostal churches. They almost pray to the Holy Church or they invite the Holy Church uh, during the celebration of uh, the Holy Holy Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit. Yeah. 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 
Well, that, that was kind of confusing, of course, uh, especially when you're younger and you're not, uh, you didn't read so much about the history of Christianity. You didn't get the concept of God, of course, in, in, a, in an academic sense, in an academic way. Uh, so that's that's the, the, the first, first thing that was uh, bothering me. And then, of course, there is original sin. And, um, and, and the, the, the idea that someone had to die for the sins of mankind and that was the only way to salvation in, in right. and uh, when i was younger i once asked uh, the, the minister uh, well how about abraham for example or, or moses or noah because they couldn't believe in jesus christ because there was no jesus christ yet because he, he wasn't born um, so i asked him are they in hell no, no, of course not. You cannot ask uh, such questions. It's, it's ridiculous. Of course, Noah and Abraham and Moses are not in hell. And I said, well, how is it possible that they are in heaven then? And we have to believe in Jesus Christ as the only way to salvation if they right. also got into paradise or uh, in, into heaven without believing in Jesus Christ. So there was something that was bothering me as, as a youngster uh, again. Um, and when I was uh, getting a little bit older, of course, uh, yeah, I was, uh, like I said, a believing Christian and I practiced uh, Christianity in a way most of the Christians in the denomination I was brought up uh, in do. Uh, but uh, I, the, the things I was I was worried about, I, I, I left it and I thought, well, okay, I am a Christian. I just don't get the whole picture. And uh, a Catholic uh, priest I once talked to uh, said to me, well, in the end, the Trinity is a mystery. And I thought, well, okay, then that's the final answer because I don't get it. And, and, and the, the whole idea of a mystery is that you do not get it. So I think that's it. And uh, that, that, that's how uh, the, the, the first, when I, when I uh, look back at my, my personal process, there was the, those days were the first days that I start doubting uh, the fundamentals of Christianity, and especially in the denomination I was uh, brought up in. Okay. Um, and, and later on, of course, I uh, well, the first day I uh, went to college, and like you said, I studied comparative religion at the Free University in Amsterdam. Uh, but the first day I start uh, started uh, going to college was September 11, 2001. So you, you started college on the very day that the twin yeah. towers were being attacked in yeah. New York. That's absolutely extraordinary. Yeah, and, and of course, uh, I already had kind of a negative image of Islam because of the tradition. And it's not like the, the ministers told us, well, hate Muslims or dislike Islam or something. But I was very much interested in, in, in religion in general, and especially my own tradition, Christianity. So I started reading about uh, what what did the, the the great names taught us, and what did they say, and what did they wrote about other traditions, especially Islam, because there was kind of a competition, of course, when you look at the, the, the history of Europe. Uh, and then I, I read a lot of books, uh, for example, of Martin Luther, uh, and he wasn't too fond of Muslims and Islam. So he, he talked about the Turks, and he meant the Muslims, and it was all negative. So. Uh, yeah. the, the, the the way I started uh, studying was already in a kind of a negative way uh, the perception of Islam. And then, of course, 9-11 happened and it confirmed the negative ideas I already had. And then, of course, in the Netherlands, there was this famous uh, filmmaker, Theo van Gogh, Theo van Gogh, mm -hmm. and he was murdered uh, near my old house in Amsterdam. 
So I thought, well, those and the, the guy who did that called himself a jihadi. So I thought, okay, uh, they they really are crazy, and I have yeah. to protect the Netherlands. So when I finished um, uh, university. I thought, well, what can I do? And I start teaching. But in the end, I thought, well, that's not enough. I have to do something more to protect uh, our uh, fatherland, so to say, and, and perhaps Europe or the West. And I thought, what can I do? And of course, the, the, the thing you can do when you want to change uh, something in, in, in the most effective way is try to change the law. And then I thought, well, I have to do that. And then I have to go into politics, of course. And the most extreme anti-Islamic party was, of course, the Freedom Party of Geert Wilders. And, uh, well, a, a part of the family uh, wasn't too uh, happy about that because they said, well, he's an atheist. Why would you go work for an atheist? He has a secular agenda. He's very liberal on certain topics. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, but I said, well... That, that can be true, but in the end, the biggest uh, threat to our country is Islam. So I don't care about the other points. He's the most anti-Islamic figure in the, the Dutch politics. Uh, so I will uh, join his party. And that's what I did. So, and you became incredibly successful in your endeavors. You became, not only did you join the party, you became an MP and you became a, a senior figure in that party. Um, but what kind of legal changes that you mentioned uh, did you try and bring about then in Holland? Well, what was your agenda legally? Well, we tried to ban Islam altogether from the Netherlands and the wow. uh, Freedom Party because a lot of people say, well, I've got, to, I've got to stop you there. Sorry. Freedom Party wants to ban religion. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. How can you be for freedom and liberal values and then ban religion? <laughs> Sorry. It just struck me is completely contradictory what you just said. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but in those days, and that's the, the thing that the, the people who are still in the party still believe, they said, well, freedom is everything but Islam. Um, so Islam is the, the only threat because a lot of people think it's a nationalistic party or a racist party, but that, and perhaps there are some aspects that are uh, racist or uh, especially nationalistic or uh, national orientated, but um, the whole idea of the Freedom Party, it was founded only to fight Islam. Geert Willis told that many times. Yeah. He said, that was the reason why it was founded. Good God. Okay. He said, well, it was in 2004 he started the party because uh, Turkey was about to uh, start negotiating for EU membership. And he yeah. was in the other party, the Liberal Party, the, the, the party that's the biggest party in the Netherlands right now, the same as the Prime Minister. Um, and he said, well, uh, this party of mine, uh, the, the VVD, the, the, the Liberal Party, is um, saying that they want to negotiate. And he said, well, we cannot negotiate with Turkey because it's an Islamic country. And Islam is no part of the European history and it, uh, it should never be any part of the Europe of the future. So he said, well, we have to do something about it. But of course, in the party itself, there were, wasn't enough support for him. So he said, well, okay, then I'll start my own party. And that's what he did. And uh, one of the famous figures also in the, in the United States was a member of parliament as well in the Netherlands, is Ayan Hirshi Ali. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and she was a friend of Geert Wilders uh, back, back in those days. So they they uh, empowered each other, so to say. Wow. Uh, and and uh, yeah, again, like you said, it's, it's kind of a strange concept if you say we are the party for freedom and at the same time we want to take away 
a lot of freedoms from uh, from practice faith in peace in a in a in a, a mature country uh, it's extraordinary um so can you explain what in your mind would happen okay you ban islam in netherlands would you then deport you know I, I mean, i'm sorry to go on about this but it just reminds me of certain events that happened in central europe just 50 years before that in germany and holland and were a group another group of another religiously identified group who were not wanted were rounded up yeah. and things happened to them what on earth did Gert Wilders imagine what happened to all these Muslims? Would they be rounded up and put in concentration camps as well? I mean, seriously, well, what was the what would have happened? No, he, he didn't say he wanted to uh, to put people in concentration camps, and he, he he just said, "I don't want any new Muslims in the Netherlands." New that was that was step one, and he said we have to um, yeah get, uh, make sure that re re migration as they call in in, in the answer go yeah. back to yeah. own countries the, the concept of uh, uh going back and uh, there was something he wanted to pay for so he said well i make it legal so people can go back and at the same time nobody's allowed to come in from any islamic countries and there was a point of discussion in the party because uh for example in indonesia or, or other islamic countries there are also christians so some people in the party said, well, what happens to, for example, Christian refugees from certain countries uh, or Afghanistan or Iraq or whatever, or Iran? I said, well, they cannot come in either. So nobody from any Islamic country was allowed to enter the Netherlands for asylum. Interesting. But, uh, yeah, pretty uh, strong um, point. Yeah, it's a policy picked up perhaps by Donald Trump some years later uh, um, that, that was challenged in the courts, perhaps. Um, yeah, but uh, just an interesting point here is a mistake I've, I've often made in the past. I think, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Gert Wilders is not a fascist. He's not um, a far-right racist, um, I think. What you seem to be saying, he's like a fundamentalist liberal, like a, a liberal on steroids, a liberal who, who is just hardcore, so hardcore that he will stamp out anything that doesn't inform his own understanding of liberalism. Is that right? It's kind of an absolutist liberalism. That, what, what, what is he? What kind of political creature is he? Or was he? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of a strange story because when the party started, uh, it was still... Uh, they had the idea there were two other uh, more ideological figures in the party. They later on left, but they wanted to make, uh, they want to establish some kind of a Republican Party in the United States in the Netherlands, but the old Republican Party. So a very uh, uh, low taxes, uh, fighting crime, etc., etc. The, the, the normal conservative or uh, right-wing policy that uh, a lot of uh, other parties in the, uh, all over the world have. Uh, yeah. But uh, in, uh, in about, in, I think, five or six years after they started the party, they said, well, we have nine seats in parliament, and if you want to grow, we have to change something. And then there was another figure in the party who said, well, what we have to do, we have to start being left on social issues, like uh, and stuff like that. And, yeah. uh, the liberal agenda when it comes to abortion and uh, homosexuality rights and stuff yeah, yeah yeah the things that in in the netherlands are generally accepted yeah and, and he said but well, we have to stay very right-wing on topics like immigration or uh, fighting mm -hmm. 
time and stuff like that. So that's what they did. They made a combination between left and right wing politics. Interesting. So, so the party started changing. Uh, yeah. in, so Geert Wilders, yeah, what is he? Is he is he a very right? He, of course, he's a yeah. right wing person when it comes to Islam. He's, he's extreme. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. when it comes to uh, certain social issues in the Netherlands, he's pretty left. Pretty, wow. pretty so it's it's a, like a like a, a hybrid concept uh, in, in the politics. Interesting. Oh, that, that's, that's really helpful to clarify. I didn't realize that, that was the evolution of his beliefs in response to the physical realities then. Um, j just moving on, so you, you entered uh, Parliament, you tried to promote these laws. I don't think any of the laws got passed, did they? They were never actually became the law in Holland? No, no, no. Yeah, they didn't get, uh, get enough uh, support. Okay, well, that's uh, that, that's some good news. Um, so um, now later on, then just fast forwarding a little bit, um, and you wrote, you decided to write a book, and this might have been after your um, career in Parliament uh, came to an end, and you then decided to, I think, write a book, uh, basically putting distilling all your fierce critical ideas about Islam and Muhammad into a written book um, for whatever use you were going to make of that, and then what happened then because. Your, your plan didn't go quite to plan, did it? Something went, something happened. And uh, what happened to the book? Because I don't have the book. We've got this book, which is not the book you wrote, is it? I don't think. <laughs> well, a part of it is still in the book. But uh, okay. well, when I started writing, I was still in Parliament. Ah. I, was, I left the Freedom Party because of an issue about Moroccan people. Um, because Geert Wilders, like like uh, we just talked about, he is very anti-Islam. That's no uh, not, nothing new. Uh, but uh, in uh, at a certain moment, he started changing policies. And one of the things he, he was started changing was that he only was talking about Moroccan people. Oh. And uh, one thing he said during an election rally was that he said, "Well, we have to um, make sure that there are less Moroccans in the Netherlands." And he. Uh, asked a crowd, it was during a rally, and asked the crowd, do you want more or less, uh, less Moroccans in the Netherlands? And everybody who was in the rally started screaming, less, less, less. And he said, well, I'll make sure that will happen. Well, uh, so that was, like you said, about the 30s in Europe. That was yeah. for the first, the first time that I, even me, got, got a feeling of, okay, this is kind of crazy now. He crossed the line in targeting a specific ethnic group now, not just a faith, but a particular yeah. group of people. Yeah. yeah, but because before I always, uh, in my head, of course, I didn't like Islam, but it was yeah. a concept. And uh, yeah. of course, uh, you cannot... Uh, a but in, for, for most of the people there, we said, okay, there's the concept, we, we don't like Islam, we want Islam out, and everything that has to do with Islam has to go as well. Yeah. But it wasn't like I hated Moroccan people, uh, no. to hate Moroccan people. As a matter of fact, there were even uh, people with, for example, Turkish and Moroccan background working for the Freedom Party as well. Of course, they were very secular, atheist. But so I thought to myself, it's kind of strange, it's like like a betrayal almost of those people. Yeah. Uh, so I said, well, and I start, I got into a like a like a like a discussion with uh, with Geert uh, Wilders, and in the end, I said, well, then I'll have to I'll leave the party, and that's what I did. But I still didn't like Islam, and I still wasn't no. too uh, fond of Muslims uh, because of Islam, of course. So I thought to myself, well, I finally have the time and uh, the space in a political sense, to write 
to, to, to fulfill a long-held desire. And I was writing an anti-Islam book so that I could give a, like a theoretical grounding for all the things I said in Parliament and why I think that Islam was a threat to Europe and why the Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, was a threat in my eyes back then for the whole world. And that's what I did. But because you are in Parliament, of course, you don't have too much time to write. So in 2017, I left Parliament and then I had a little bit more time and I started uh, writing and writing and reading and writing. And uh, But in, at a certain moment, because I started, um, of course, like I said, with a very negative uh, uh, starting point. starting point was very negative, but I was reading so much. Uh, there was um, uh, almost at odds with the things I thought I knew uh, that that I got into like like an eternal discussion with myself. So, when, well, I've, I've, if I want to write an honest book, I have to put the information that I found and that wasn't too negative when it came to Islam in the book as well. But of course, that's that's not what I want. I want I want to write an anti-Islam book. So what I did was I was started writing to several uh, authorities on uh, the subject of Islam. Uh, so so who, started, who, did you, who did you contact? Who did you contact? Well, several uh, people in the Netherlands, uh, Christian uh, people, uh, ministers, um, uh, even right. priests. Uh, uh, I even wrote with um, uh, with a rabbi from the Jewish tradition because of the Old Testament. And uh, our denomination was also a little bit focused on the Old Testament as well, not only the New Testament. But I also started writing to, um, uh, for example, Abdul Hakim Murad. Uh, from Cambridge University, uh, Professor Tim Winter. And I thought, well, he will never answer me because I put a little uh, Wikipedia uh, link in the end of my mail to him. So I think, well, then he knows who I am because it's kind of strange that a right-wing politician from another country who hates Islam start writing with a Muslim professor in the UK. Uh, so I thought to myself, well, he will never answer. And I put a lot of questions uh, in the mail but, and it took a, a couple of weeks, but in the end, he, uh, he answered me. He, he sent me a very extensive email, uh, wow. helped uh, a lot, and he clarified a lot of things. And he said to me, well, reread all your old books again. And he gave me some tips uh, and uh, suggestions for other books. He got me some names. He got me some titles. He answered certain questions himself. Uh, and he said, well, reread your old books. Then you can see where they take off. And where they take the wrong turn or where they leave certain information out or where they add information that's not true and not part of Islamic history. So that's what I did. And it took me yeah, almost two years altogether. Uh, but of course, yeah, the, and, and then in the end, I, uh, I, I, had, I had so much information that was not... Uh, it was new, almost new to me. And there was, there was information from the Islamic tradition itself because people ask me, how is it possible you, you study comparative religion? How, can it, how is it possible that you didn't know that before? But uh, when you go to university, and I didn't study Arabic, for example, or Quran or whatever, I just studied comparative religion. So in general, you study the concept of religion. And you, you see, of course, I knew about uh, Shahada. I knew about who was Muhammad, where did he live, a certain part of history. But it's not too deep, and it's not in an existential way that you look at Islam. There was no uh, potential alternative for my own religion. Right. Because I was writing my... Uh, my anti-Islam book, I and I, I had to compare it with Christianity, of course, because that was my own tradition. But when I was comparing it, 
then the old questions where we just talked about popped up again about the trinity about original sin about the atonement eh? jesus christ had to die for the sins of men and then i read the islamic answers because it's it's an old tradition uh, to write to each other eh? the the polemic uh, in, in in history between yeah. christians and muslims uh, is, is very old and then i saw the islamic answers uh, to my christian questions and i thought well that's that makes sense that's very logical so that's that's where it started changing me, especially the first part was uh, because I read a book from Fakhr al-Din al-Razi. Oh, yeah. About Tawhid, and he explained it in such a clear way that I thought, yeah, it's it's almost impossible not to agree. <laughs> but of course, when I looked at my own tradition, I didn't agree because I had to believe in the Trinity. But I happen to know that, in because I, I read most of this uh by the way i do recommend this book um particularly uh for the way you look at all these questions to uh about the classical arguments of god concept of god in christianity concept of god in islam muhammad messenger in a biblical sense and then you go on to the controversial matters you know does islam um legitimize and promote violence and terrorism and it talks about um well all sorts of things but it's, it's a, a fascinating read but on the very point you just mentioned um that even in the gospels in mark and you quote this jesus asked what is the greatest commandment and he himself repeats the shema that's here that's first word in hebrew hear o israel the lord our god is one or one lord and as you point out in the book and, and this is in the context of you i think your discussions with uh professor timothy winter at cambridge jesus there never mentions a trinity and if Jesus was there in his mission, his preaching mission, to introduce people to Christian truth, shall we say, how come he never mentions it at this key point when he's talking about the concept of God? And he endorses the Shema, and that directly connects with Tawheed in Islam, particularly Surah 112, as, as you know, which actually um, uses the word Ahad, or Ahad, the one, which is the same word in Hebrew. It seems to be affirming the Shema, the Quran, I mean. Uh, and that, of course, is over against any later innovations in Trinitarian theology. But anyway, so I just noticed that connection. Uh, that you made. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's that's what I found out, of course, and uh, because when you and you put off your, uh, so to say, my reformed Protestant glasses, <laughs> yeah. you start rereading your own tradition and you start reading about Islam. Uh, it, to me, of course, because I already was a, a theist, so to say. Uh, wasn't there was not the question uh, th does God exist? The question was which which book <laughs> uh, leads me to God? What, what what is the true religion, so to say? So that was for me uh, that there was uh, it's a starting point of, of my own uh, journey towards uh, Islam. Mm. Uh, just a quote here from uh, Professor Abdul Hakim Arad, who's written um, a foreword uh, to this book, along with uh, Sheikh Hamza Yusuf, the uh, Californian uh, Islamic scholar. And uh, Abdul Hakim writes uh, about yourself to admit that one has been wrong is seldom easy, but to write in careful and detail about one's error and then to document one's painful road to the truth reveals considerable strength of character. 
and restores one comfort restores one's confidence in human nature and in the prospects for change i mean that's an extraordinary thing to say and i must say it's absolutely accurate um that it, it's rare indeed for a, a man to have the courage not only to change his mind on fundamental matters of faith to admit one's error and then actually write a book about it as well um no, and then uh, honored uh, that Abdul Murad said such a wrote such a beautiful uh, forward, just like uh, Sheikh Hamza. Um, uh, yeah, and it is uh, I think a little bit too too much uh, honor, <laughs> but I was uh, it was very uh, very nice, and uh, in a sense, it is true, of course, that I had to admit that uh, I made uh, yeah a horrible mistake, and um, that's what it is, and I, I took it to. The next level by, uh, of course, joining a political party and uh, do all the things that I did, and um, I'm 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 only glad that uh, I had um, the opportunity to change my mind. Yeah, and, and just a slight digression here, and this is kind of me reflecting on this because you wrote this book, you changed your mind, and it immediately struck me uh, another person, um, this person, Robert Spencer and um, an American writer, The Truth About Muhammad, founder of the world's most intolerant religion. Now, he, he allegedly investigated the sources. He came to a very different conclusion from you. Um, now, why is that? Now, if, uh, part of the answer lies in another book um, just published by Chayan Cole, called Muhammad, uh, Prophet of Peace, amid the clash of empires now why is this book significant and i do recommend this book very highly i don't recommend this book folks but i'm asking why um joram managed to make that connection and robert spencer who's written an awful lot of tripe i mean awful lot of stuff uh, on um uh, islam did not make that and i think there is a reason and um the reason is given by sheikh hamza yusuf and i'll tell you in a minute the reason why I, I Hamza Yusuf thinks, and I think is the correct reason. Just coming back to this book a second, who is who is Juan Col? Juan Col is professor of uh, history at the University of Michigan in the United States, one of the world's leading experts on the history of Islam. He's not a Muslim, and um, this book has just been published. As I say, do recommend it. And he advances a very detailed scholarly case that not only was Muhammad a prophet of peace, but as Fred Donner also says on the back of this book, and he's probably the world's leading expert uh, at the University of Chicago on Islamic history, he says, Juan Cole's Muhammad makes a convincing case for Muhammad as an apostle of tolerance and peace. So here we have some of the world's leading academics in the West endorsing or affirming precisely what you, Jerome, uh, have said recently. So what is it then about people like Robert Spencer. Why aren't they getting it? Well, the, one of the reasons is, and I'll just read what Sheikh Hamza Yusuf says in the back of your book. He says this, Joram's sincerity, and I think this is the key word, enabled him to shift his perspective, to remove the blind spot and look at something objectively and to really try and understand it on its own terms. This led to an extraordinary search the result of which is the book that you are now reading. The book tells the story of an uncommon trajectory, the journey of a man from animosity to charity, from despair to hope, and from belligerence to peace. Those are the words of Sheikh Hamza Yusuf, who also uh, has written the foreword along with Tim Winter to this book. And I think that really is it, that you, uh, Hamza Yusuf gets it right here, is that your sincerity 
enabled you to shift your view, enabling you to really look at something objectively and try and understand it on its own terms. And you've just said that in, in effect about five minutes ago. Other people, him, have not been able to do that. They remain trapped in the, uh, the, the, the paradigm of hostility and hatred towards Islam. But the good news is excellent recent scholarship is also endorsed. Non-Muslim Western scholarship is endorsing precisely what you have done um, from America. So that would be my observation. <laughs> yeah, but it's true. Uh, I think that uh, people like Robert Spencer and I, uh, uh, yeah, of course, uh, other people like Pamela Geller, and there's a whole uh, bunch of, uh, a lot of Americans, by the way, uh, who really dislike um, Islam, and it's, it's kind of an industry in itself. Yeah, and Bills knows a lot of those people. I, I, a few of them I met in uh, in the Netherlands. They came here. Uh, Wilders went uh, went over there a couple of times in Texas, but also in uh, uh, in, in up north and uh, near LA. Uh, but um, yeah, th those people are uh, they have they have a certain concept, and they are uh, it's almost dogmatic. You cannot talk to them in 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 an open way because this is what it is, and all people think alike. So that makes mm -hmm. it. Clear hard to have a serious discussion when it comes to uh, scholarly topics and again that's something else all those people uh, including uh, Robert Spencer has not an academic degree on Islam studies so that is, and that, that's kind of strange this is a real important point actually you, you have a degree you are a teacher you have uh, advanced qualifications in this in religions anyway um, as, as do other western authors and more or less agree but certain other people you just mentioned one uh, are, are not experts uh, actually um and they operate in a almost like a uh, an echo chamber with the other people who reinforce their same uh, hardline critical views perhaps and it's 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 uh, it's kind of strange because uh, when you look at for example austria but also in belgium and in the netherlands uh, all the people who are fiercely against islam Mm. And also in politics, but all, uh, also uh, people uh, write uh, uh, comments in newspapers and are uh, seen as talking heads on television. Uh, mm. All those people have no academic background when it comes to Islam. Geert mm. Wilders, for example, doesn't have one. Nobody in the party has one. The spokesman on, um, on Islam right now, because we, they have a spokesman on the subject of Islam, uh, he's a guy who does uh, physio, uh, physiotherapy. Uh, so it, it doesn't make any sense to let people like that talk about issues mm -hmm. like uh, like this because it has such an impact on uh, everybody in society because it affects you whether you like it or not. Mm -hmm. So w when did when did you decide to say your shahada and how did it feel? I mean, what happened? <laughs> if you can a little <laughs> human experience there because that moment then you became legally officially before god himself you became a muslim so um why you know when did that happen and how did it feel uh well uh of course the whole the whole uh journey was uh was wasn't too nice for me <laughs> mm. uh, because it, it didn't felt good in the beginning especially because it's like uh like like yeah you're in conflict with yourself because the things you 
thought you knew are uh, not true and especially when it came to the prophet uh, of, of uh, the prophethood of uh, muhammad i was taught in a, in a, a theological way that he was the antichrist mm. so when you have to come from the antichrist to wow. the prophet of god that's that's a big change so i had to take a lot of obstacles and reread yeah. and it was almost in the end i uh I, and i have twitter and in my twitter i have uh uh, uh I, I add from a surah and it says it was it's not the eyes uh that are blind but the heart yes and there and i put it there because there was the the, the fundamental uh, problem with me as well because in the end and i was done i was done writing my book and i i wrote it down i wrote down yes his prophethood was true yes the concept of uh tawhid in islam is true uh, so i had written it down but i still couldn't i couldn't accept it mm. so i Aside, and I, and I, and I in, a, in, a, in a rational way, I accepted Islam, but not in the heart. I couldn't because that was my whole life was, of course, anti-Islam. All my friends, yeah. my work, my party, family, etc. And then I had to say, okay, I'm wrong. And it's 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 almost it felt so negative. So in the end, I put all the books aside and I thought, well, I don't do anything with it. I leave it for what it is, and that's it. But then uh, a lot of uh, books uh, fell off the shelf here. And one of the books was the Quran. And I picked it up and it was that ayat I read. And I thought to myself, well, that, that's it. I, I, my heart is closed, I think. So when I went up to bed, and it sounds uh, kind of uh, <laughs> sparkly, but, and that's not how I mean it. But uh, I went to bed and I did uh, like, like a dua or free prayer for myself. Of course, it wasn't a dua because I wasn't a Muslim yet. But I said to myself, well... Uh, I have to pray to God, wh whatever God it is, if it's the God of Christianity or Islam. And I said, well, lead me, give me a sign or whatever, so that, that I, I find peace in my heart. And the next day I woke up and I thought to myself, well, I'm a Muslim. And I, I told my wife and uh, she was, uh, yeah, she, she said, yeah, I already knew. <laughs> uh, th that's it. And uh, yeah, from, from then, of course, then I had to tell the family and friends and uh, other people, but... Was, uh, that, that must have been incredibly uh, as challenging as anything you'd ever done to tell family and friends because i mean given your identification with a certain uh, hostility to islam and then you you go over to the enemy so to speak uh, I mean, <laughs> what did they say did they were they expecting it do they say yeah we saw the signs we saw it coming or did they say we had no idea what's happening to you i mean what, what, what how did they react I mean, um, well, it, it different. Uh, uh, some friends said, "Okay, uh, uh, whatever. <laughs> it's your decision. Yeah. Do whatever. Do whatever you want, as long as we can uh, uh, stay uh, watching football together. That's fine." Uh, yeah. But there were other. Yeah, <laughs> it was the, the typical male uh, reaction. Yeah. <laughs> Later on, of course, the the, the real questions came up. <laughs> um, but uh, for my mother, for example, she wasn't uh, too happy. Uh, she started crying. So, oh, uh, she, yeah. yeah, of course, you leave the religion, but you also say. In a way, I think for her, like uh, the the way you brought up brought us up wasn't the way it should be. So I think it's also a, maybe a little personal, but in, in the end, uh, she accepted it, and uh, she even uh, told me, um, I, "I like you more as a Muslim. You're sweeter as a Muslim than as a Christian." So no. I still don't like the fact that you're a Muslim. <laughs> so, 
there was kind of uh, the fruit of the fact that you like the fruit of your uh, conversion, if not the. Uh, yeah, so it was, uh, yeah, and of course, yeah, a lot of uh, I, I have to tell people in the family and and, and uh, at work and uh, on other places. Yeah, and some people reacted very violently, were very angry, very uh, upset. And at that time, I didn't, I wasn't in politics anymore. I worked for a um, Christian broadcasting organization. Ah, okay. But I was, I was one of the persons on the radio that was, uh, I was, so to say, the spokesman for conservative Christians in the Netherlands. Wow. When I, <laughs> when I told my producer, well, I have to tell you something. <laughs> I said, <laughs> I became Muslim. He said, well, I, I can't believe it. And then he said, I noticed it because you started talking differently when it, when we had to talk on the, on the radio about certain topics and we discussed it. And he said, well, you are a little different than before, but I couldn't say what it exactly was, etc." But then I told him and he was, uh, he was really, uh, really upset. He said, well, I couldn't sleep for two days. Uh, yeah, and some some people said, "Well, I, I don't shake your hand anymore, and uh, you're you're dead to me, and uh, stuff like that." But it's I think part of uh, yeah, of course it's it's like uh, it's something that I, I caused it myself because all those years, um, one of the questions my mother uh, asked me, "So you hate Jews now?" It was <laughs> one of the first things she she asked me. I said, wow. "Why wow. think that I all of a sudden hate Jews?" And then she said, "Well." You told me that Islam hates Jews. You say you are a part of Islam now. You're a Muslim, and uh, so I said, "No, I don't hate Jews. Of course not." And the, uh, yeah. I just mentioned um, uh, in um, in your uh, great book, uh, in the ninth chapter, hatred of Jews is uh, page 125. You discuss is Christianity anti-Semitic? Does Islam teach hatred of Jews? And then talks about Muhammad and the Jews uh, and so on. So you, you really discuss this in in the light of objective evidence is what you do now you're looking at the facts rather than coming from a position of hostility so um th that's a that's a good chapter to read i think yeah and it was a lot because that's one of the the issues that, that uh, especially anti-islamic right-wing organizations use and right. of course anti-semitism exists also in uh, uh muslim communities but that's not what Islam teaches. And when you look at the behavior of uh, the Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, you see a totally different yes. uh, narrative there when you compare it to what you see nowadays in, in extreme right, extreme left, or um, uh, some uh, uh, extreme uh, Muslim community. So it hasn't anything to do with the, the, the message of, uh, of Islam. That's ridiculous. But uh, of course, that's something a lot of people say, especially in those anti-Islamic environments. And one of those persons was myself, of course. So that's why my mother asked me and I reassured her, no, that's not the case. And uh, read the book, please. And I, I can explain it. But I think she uh, didn't read the book. No. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but inshallah that she will. No. Um, I've got a, a list of names here, and I, I want to know if they're going to be next. Casey Hopkins, Tommy Robinson, Gert Wilders. Are any of these going to be next? Inshallah. <laughs> well, so, some people said to me, well, what do you think? Well, I, yeah, I, I cannot say that it will never happen, of course, because I, 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 uh, I, I, I became one. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah, so I, I really don't. Uh, 
it wouldn't surprise me of course yeah it surprised me but i think uh, if, if if god wants it uh, it will happen and uh, I, 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 i'm actually i i i've met um sheikh habdul uh, uh, tim winter at cambridge university uh, uh, times. He, he has told me um that you're not the only well hitherto far-right politician in europe to make contact with him that there are other there are some other people and um uh, in italy for example there's a a certain person uh in i'm not gonna say anymore but they're very senior in politics identified with the far right who uh is in conversation uh, um with him and um you know things happen things yeah. happen so uh, and then there's the phenomenon of submarines of course there's a, a concept that tim winter invented these are, are people in public life um there's even one in her majesty's government here which will of course put the wind up lots islamophobes will be really scared but you know there is someone who is a muslim but they're not public about it at all but they're a sincere quietly practicing person who just prays uh, and and is a good person and has said their shahada uh but they're a submarine so we we don't see them but it's not a sinister thing it's just uh for various reasons to do with their own particular life it would be extremely difficult for them to go public uh the, the damage perhaps to their families or whatever will be uh very severe so they, they feel at the moment they're going to remain um undeclared so anyway it does happen yeah yeah absolutely absolutely so you don't know um I, i don't know their name no tim didn't tell me their names and i'm not i didn't ask uh because uh -huh. it's not it's not in my business and you don't um, know whether people in, in the end uh come out oh, I see. Oh, that, I see. Uh, for example here today will be a muslim uh, you exactly really no, it, uh, oh, in essence, you don't know. Uh, absolutely. Uh, and even some who might call themselves Muslim might turn out to be different as well. Anyway, I'm not going to go there, but um, you, you never know. Um, but so what are your plans for the future then? I mean, you've obviously accomplished uh, several lifetimes of work, but um, do you have any future plans uh, as, as a, a Muslim intellectual and activist and uh, raising awareness with the public? Well, uh, we, uh, with some friends, started an organization. It's called uh, Islam Experience Center. Right. And, uh, what we do, we, uh, with, with the help from, uh, from other friends, uh, we were able to buy a lot of uh, virtual reality glasses. Mm -hmm. and we um, made a movie. Uh, and what we do now is that we offer for free uh, guest lessons in, uh, in schools from primary school to university. And what we do is that we go to the schools and that we uh, teach uh, youngsters, school, uh, uh, students, etc., but even teachers, uh, what what the core message of Islam is and why. And it's not so much that we say, well, you have to be a Muslim, but it's just to take away some uh, fear, to take away some misconceptions about Islam. And it's very fun to do. So uh, what we do, we, we, uh, we, like I said, we made a movie. And uh, when you put on the I don't know if you ever did virtual reality, but if you uh, put on, yeah, well, but when you put on, on the glass, of course, you're in a total uh, different reality for real. So you have a headphone on. So and wow. uh, in, in this video, you, you're uh, sitting at home watching television. And uh, you see all those uh, horrible things happen, terrorist attack, you see 9-11, you hear about Van Gogh and uh, murders, etc. jihadi, this, that, Muslim, it's very negative. And all of a sudden your television goes out and someone knocks at your door and uh, there is a bright light and you move towards, of course, with the glasses on, you move towards the door and then all of a sudden you are in the year 850 in Baghdad in the house of wisdom. And uh, there's an old man 
Salam alaikum, he welcomes you and he starts explaining about history. He shows you a map and it's all with holograms and stuff like that. He shows you the Quran, he talks about uh, uh, the Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him. He talks about the Kaaba, what is Qibla, all, all the basic uh, elements, but it's in a real fun way. And, and we try to uh, rebuild, so to say, in a virtual way, of course, the house of wisdom. So you see all those plants, you see uh, butterflies, you see flowers. But then when he stopped talking, he, uh, he again, the, the, your vision is kind of a blurry. And then you go to another place and then you are in Mecca and not the Mecca of nowadays with, uh, with the high buildings and McDonald's, but old school Mecca with sand and you see palm trees and some camels. And of course, you see the Kaaba. And uh, the old man start talking, where are you? What is Mecca? Why is it important? And in the distance, you see a figure and you don't really see him. But uh, the old man tells you that's Bilal. Who is Bilal? And then he starts explaining who is Bilal, who was Bilal first, who is he now? He's talking to those people, those people called Sahaba. And he's uh, explaining uh, a lot. And then you hear a first from the Quran. Uh, and then you, he takes you to the next, the final um uh, face of the of the video and it's night and you see a very big moon and you're in the desert and you see all those stars and the old man starts explaining about uh, not about a religion and culture and, and uh, the history but he starts talking about science and he explains about uh, the wings uh, from uh, um, um, the, the Muslim inventions that were made, uh, like hospitals and coffee and the camera and algebra and stuff like that. And you all see it in holograms in the sky and you're walking through the desert. And then in the distance you hear uh, the azan and it starts becoming morning. And then uh, the next, and that's the, the real, the, fin the, the final uh, uh, stage you're in. And then you're in your chair again and you start winking and it's like it was a dream. And then you look at your television and it's all black and then uh, yeah, you, you awake, you can take off your glass. And then we start talking about what have we seen. Uh, and then we, uh, yeah, we, we start talking in kind of a dialogue. Uh, and that, that's what we do now. And it's very successful. We've been to, uh, I think, over 50 schools already from primary school to university. We have been to uh, departments of um, Department of Social uh, Affairs in the Netherlands with uh, uh, people there. Uh, we talk to, to a lot of people, and everybody's very enthusiastic. So that's what we do now. We try to, uh, yeah, create awareness and uh, take away uh, hostility and, and fear. So is this um is there, is there a website uh, online that people could go to about this? Yeah, it's a www.islamexperience.com, and there's an intro oh, feed. It's in English as well, and it's the subtitles are I think in Dutch and. Perhaps that was my next question in English. Obviously, you just answered that. So, because to expand this, yeah, no, it's in English, and uh, we are talking to an organization in New Zealand now, and uh, one in the United States as well, uh, to export the concept to yeah. uh, New Zealand and the US, uh, UK. Please. Hello, UK, Britain. Yeah, of course. If there are people in the UK who want uh, want to support us and help us and. Uh, they're more than welcome and it's it's a very nice and when you look at the promo video you can see how it is in class because we filmed in class as well mm -hmm. and we give a little intro on how why we do this and uh, what we want and it's in the end but perhaps people can uh, can look at it. it's very nice uh, nice nice to see
I'll, I'll um i'll put the link uh to that then in the description beneath uh, below so people can investigate that further it sounds yeah. incredible I, I like the idea of an alternative reality there you know the real reality as opposed to maybe what you see on fox news if that's how you yeah. get your news <laughs> yeah. and um and on social media generally where can people follow you because i believe there's a few problems with that isn't there following you on social media yeah uh, yeah there's a, there's a facebook page uh, but it's fake. I'm not on Facebook. I don't have Facebook. Uh, I don't want to have Facebook. And perhaps I have to uh, create an account now because of the fake account. Because a lot of people think that I am on Facebook, but I'm not. I'm only on Twitter. Twitter. That's, uh, Twitter, yeah, that's me. <laughs> but I'm not on Facebook. So everything you see on Facebook with my name or sometimes even my photo, that's not me. But it's, uh, it's kind of strange because it seems that this person is a Muslim. And then it, it's very strange, of course, because you're not allowed to lie and you lie because you act like you're someone else and you talk, name, but I'm not that person. So it's, uh, it's you, you've approached um, Facebook. I mean, are, are they taking steps to remove this imposter? Uh, no, not 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 uh, they, they don't do too much because I uh, I mentioned it two years ago because that's when it started. And up till now, uh, the, the, the page is still in the air. I've, I have uh, seen that they changed the photo because uh, they had my photo and my name and some other information about who I am, what I do, where I work. And they took that away and they changed the photo, but my name is still there. And when you scroll down, you still see my picture. So it's kind of misleading. And I think yeah, that's, that's a bad thing. Okay, but you're definitely, uh, it's you, really you on Twitter. So we can look you up on Twitter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And follow him, which I obviously uh, I follow you as well. There's lots of interesting um, posts there. It's actually really worth following uh, you on Twitter. So I do encourage people to follow you there. Um, and I think that that is a good time to. Oh, there's a quote before perhaps we draw to a conclusion. You quote a very uh, famous Roman orator and writer from two thousand over two thousand years ago, and this is. Um, before you read the book itself and use one line and i think it's brilliant the quote is this they condemn what they do not understand exactly uh, i i know i know certain individuals here in london i'm not going to mention their names not muslims of course and they condemn what they do not understand and this book will give you understanding <laughs> um about the truth about islam so uh, is there anything finally you want to just share with um, uh, the, the, with all of us uh, as viewers uh, um, about what you've said so far? Uh, again, thank you very much for having me on, uh, on your show. I, I like it uh, very much and I think it's very informative, like, uh, like I said earlier. So uh, please... Uh keep uh, working on uh, on the things you do and it's, uh, it's very uh, very helpful for uh, for people like me as well so thank you for that well thank you very much and uh, best wishes and we'll, 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 we'll follow you on twitter and uh, for your future progress so thank you very much for all you've done uh, and for, i mean your, your impact on on politics and in the west has been uh, amazing uh, for, the, for the better and um, that can only your, your rewards uh, in the afterlife will surely be immense god willing so anyway thank you very much take care bye-bye you know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.